0: guys welcome back to as told by moms i know that my voice sounds crazy right now but um i want to welcome you guys back normally i don't sound like this i'm gonna do my best to kind of push through but um we're really really excited to be back with episode four today and i just want to go ahead and jump right in so welcome back and let's get to it episode four baby here we are i have an amazing special guest here I was really, really excited when the topic of this conversation came up. So I want her to introduce herself, unless you want me to introduce you, let me know. Um, But I'm just grateful to be able to be here and have this conversation with her. Um, I lost my voice two days ago and I was like, oh my gosh, like we're supposed to record. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it anyway. Put it on my Instagram and I was like, guys, Please pray for me, because honestly, like this conversation is too important. Um, The topic today that we're going to talk about is mental health, and I did not want to have to postpone this. I did not want to have to push this back. So we're just going to get through it. My voice is going to be crazy, but I feel like aside from that, what we're going to talk about is truly, truly valuable. So um, without further ado, if you can introduce yourself, tell them your name, who you are, uh, and give me like 30 seconds so tell a little bit about you
1: okay first of all I really hate icebreakers so this is just really unfortunate um however my name is Lauren Rodriguez Lores, it's very long um, but I am Stephanie's youngest sister I'm 27 years old I live in Orlando Florida I am married to my high school sweetheart Juan we will be together for 10 years this October
0: oh my gosh so cute uh,
1: Thanks. And we have um, two dogs. They're corgis, Ellie and Eli. And that's basically it. What do you do
0: for work professionally?
1: Um, I am a, I'm in the real estate industry. I work in the title title field. I am an escrow processor. Um, So
0: official. That sounds like such a fancy title.
1: It is, but basically I just clear title and put people in their dream homes and get to experience first first time home buyers and sometimes selling a home can be sad can be a chapter of closure but sometimes it could be a new beginning yeah. um for somebody else so it's a very interesting field to be in for sure especially now, now
0: with like how crazy the market is right now i'm sure your job is chaotic
1: oh yeah it's non-stop <laughs> insane um but when when you're in an industry like this that's super busy, taking time for your mental health is very important, um and that's why I decided to uh, seek therapy last year, not because of my job but just because of the pandemic and things around me and my environment. I just really needed to make a change for myself. Um, so that included taking a step back and really, yeah. revisiting my life and what it is I am doing with myself
0: so you've been in active therapy for a year now yes and you started out um what was your like what was your schedule like when you first started going to therapy well let me ask you this first what was the moment that you had with yourself that you said I need to talk to someone more than my husband more than my sister more than my best friend more than my cousin like What was that moment for you? What did that look like when you said, I need to talk to a professional for this process?
1: Um, Well, I've been in therapy for, it'll be a year in July. And my sort of breakthrough moment, I guess you can say, was I was sitting in the airport with my husband and we were on our way to New York. And during the summertime last year, I just remember it it being like very hard to get out of bed like I was just very tired and exhausted and just waking up every day was a challenge for me and um you know at that time I didn't have a lot of work-life balance and so I would go to work bust my butt ate eight plus hours a day so work my normal schedule and sometimes I would take my laptop home, work an additional two to three hours so it would become an an 11, 12 hour day sometimes and I would wake up in the morning and do it all over again. Um, I didn't really have any outlet for myself um, which made it kind of tough but I was sitting in the airport with my husband and we were going through some issues at the time And I had looked at him and I said, you know, I really want to go to couples counseling. And he, you know, had experienced therapy as a child and he was like, you know, I don't think that it's for me right now. And I said, okay, that's fine. Um, I I respect your opinion and I understand that, but I am feeling more of a personal need to go. And so I reached out to um, a couple people just to do like initial consultations. And I had found this lady that I really like. She's um, Colombian, and so she and I had a fifteen minute consultation, but it ended up being about a half an hour conversation, just about life and getting to know the key players in my life and my family and things like that. And then, um, ultimately she basically said, "Okay, you know, I think we're a good match for each other. Let's continue having sessions." And so, um, I started out doing four times a week uh four times a month so I would go weekly and then um
0: and how long did you do that for
1: so I did weekly for about six months so from July to end of December beginning of January
0: okay did you feel initially like because again your husband wasn't ready to commit to that because I honestly feel like therapy is a commitment to yourself to your mental health and so with him not being ready to make that commitment, um, did it deter you at all from wanting to still pursue this? Or did you just say like, you know what, in his own time, he'll process that. And then I'll just, you know, invest in myself for now.
1: No, I wouldn't say that it deterred me at all. I think that, you know, I'm a very understanding and non judgmental person. Yeah. And I'm also what I consider to be very empathetic. And so I understand his apprehension about going back. Yeah. And so I said, you know what? I respect that. And when whenever you're ready, we'll revisit it. But I feel a stronger need for me right now. And so I have to take the plunge. And I have to step up for myself.
0: Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love that you were able to still say, because that could have been very much the conversation. Could have been like, I'm not ready yet babe okay no problem like we'll wait until you're ready but the fact that you acknowledge like no I still need to do work on myself and then be able to like push forward um now that you're a year in to your journey what do you feel like has been the major um takeaway that you've seen in yourself um with going to therapy I know you're not done you know, you're, you're on this journey, but so far up until this point, what do you feel like has been that major, like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I learned this about myself. Um, what's that look like for you?
1: Oh gosh. I feel like I've had so many, so many major, like, um, aha moments, I guess yeah. you can call it. Um, I have a very hard time with control. And so when we had talked about, you know, cause and effect and causation and things, like, things of that nature, um, she would tell me, you know, you can only control what's in your control.
0: Yeah.
1: And for me, that may sound like such a simple lesson, but for me, it was very hard for me to get a grasp on that because, okay, I am making these decisions. Yes, they affect other people, but they'll be fine. You know, yeah. that I'm, I'm in control. Like, when I go out with, like, and I didn't even realize these small situations in which I try to exude control. And even when, like, I go out with my friends, I want to be the one to drive. I want to drive my own car. I want to say on when we get there and when we leave and and things like that. Like, even the most minute things that you don't think, oh, that's not a big deal. In my head, it is a big deal because that's what gives me comfort, and do you I, feel like, real
0: quick before you continue,
1: do you feel like your need for control now is something
0: that you've developed as an adult versus how you were as a child? Do you feel like you've always been that way? Or do you feel like because of life and a childhood and as time has gone on, you feel the need to have to be in control?
1: I think that it, it's hard because when I was... You know we have such a big age gap between all of our sisters you know me and Ruthie are 15 years apart me and Christina are 11 me and you are nine years apart and so when you guys moved out and got married I not that I had to fend for myself because my parents were our our parents were obviously still there but there were things that I needed to do on my own And once I got like a little taste of that control, I was like, oh, she's golden. She's on her way. This is it. I don't have to rely on anybody. I can wash my own clothes. I can cook my own meals. I can go here. I can go there. That's when I was like, hmm, this feels nice. But I would say as an adult, it's gotten progressively worse Mm -hmm. um, in the sense of I just feel the need to do everything everything and be everything and that's what makes it hard to relinquish control in my mind to to paint a picture I'm when you juggle things in in my mind all the balls that I'm juggling are glass yeah and they're not plastic they don't bounce back at you and if I drop them that's it like I feel screwed I'm like yeah. oh my god I, I dropped something I lost it it's out of my control like I don't know what to do and that's what makes me so anxious yeah and that's why I need to get a hold on on, on everything that I'm dealing with yeah and so we relinqu- working on relinquishing that control and it's as simple as even asking somebody for help you know yeah. I don't like to ask people for help but Same. what 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 I'm working through with my therapist is being able to lean on my husband more and lean on my friends more and be more open because I'm taking on everybody's problems and not being vocal about my own. And that's why, that's what made it so hard for me was I just tried to handle everything. And I got to a point where I was I broke I couldn't handle anything anymore I let all the glass shatter on the floor and that was it yeah
0: and that's the moment that you have to say okay I recognize that I can't do it all I can't be everything for everyone I can't juggle all of this responsibility and the funny thing is and I've had this conversation in my e-group like the crazy thing is a lot of it is self-inflicted like Nobody has asked you to take on their problems. Nobody has asked you to carry their burdens. But because of who you are and because of how you operate, we tend to take on this stuff ourselves. And we were talking about that because we're like, man, like, we're the only ones that put this stress on ourselves. Like, nobody else is is asking us to be this person for them. Yes, there are people in your life sometimes that will come in and and they do suck the energy from you and they are very very draining but i've noticed a lot of the pressure that i feel personally is stuff that i've put on myself that nobody has said this is your expectation this is what i expect from you blah 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 it's all self-inflicted so you know that's definitely to be able to get to that point and say i can't be this for everyone i mean there's power behind that for sure
1: it's hard because I've always been, you know, what people call a people pleaser. I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to just be in good spirits. I don't want anyone to be upset. And that started from when I was a young kid, you know, I had, I remember one day very vividly that I don't, I never wanted to be in trouble. I never wanted to cause a riff I never wanted my parents to to feel like I am a problem or I am a burden and that's why I never was vocal about whatever it was I was feeling whatever I went through whatever I was going through like you know, petty things as, as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, and I would never put those problems on anybody because I never wanted to be a burden. I just wanted everyone to be happy. I didn't want me personally to be the cause of anyone else's strife. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, being a people pleaser is so hard and learning these new, I'm basically learning a new map for myself. Yeah and learning new tools on how to say no and how to how to not feel obligated yeah. to do things cuz i i place a lot of self obligation on on me and i have to learn to really nip it in the bud.
0: Yeah. How do you feel like you're doing with that with like saying no and setting boundaries for yourself?
1: I feel like I've gotten so much better. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I have, you know, my moments.
0: Yeah, because I just asked you to come visit me in July, and you straight up said no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you are getting better. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to. Of no, I no. <laughs> But you know, I have to. I have to be realistic. Yeah. You know, there were times where, like when when, Mom worked for the airlines and I was flying for free, that I would take every opportunity to go and visit you even if it meant getting on a flight at three o'clock in the morning for jackson's birthday party you know i felt obligated but not not in a sense that i didn't want to because of course those are core memories i want to be there yeah but on the flip side of the coin i also felt a sense of obligation like Okay, I'm not showing up for my family. Like yeah. how, what does that say about me? What does that say about my character? And I'm not that person at all, you know, my family is is number one. And so the obligations and my loyalty really are one of the hardest characters to nav- characteristics to navigate for myself.
0: Yeah. What are what are some helpful tips that you feel like in therapy in your process that you've um, been able to to apply for someone who does struggle with that you know somebody who does say man I I, I feel like there's a, a gray area between my obligations and stuff with something that you've done for yourself that's been helpful to navigate that process
1: um, I'm somebody that needs to be alone socially to recharge. Yeah. And so if I don't have any gas left in my social tank, I have to say no. Yeah. Because then I'm not showing up as my true authentic self and I don't want to put that out there. You know, I have to say, can I really handle this social interaction right now and am I just putting myself in a position to then blow up later on
0: that's what i was going to ask you like <clears throat> sorry guys i keep having to clear my throat but you get it um do you ever feel like when you get depleted from that you start to almost feel like a resentment when you do have to do it and you're still depleted you know what i'm saying like there's obligations that maybe you have maybe you made plans with somebody or maybe you made plans as a group and you've already been depleted to that point point. It can turn into a bitterness towards those people specifically, even though again it has nothing to do with them. But you you're associating. Man, I don't want to be here because I don't have the energy to do it, but here I am with these people, you know, and that can be towards family, that can be towards friends. So that's the important thing about like making sure that you're within your own safe boundaries. Because if you're not, what happens is that resentment towards those people and it's not a personal resentment it's just like I associate feeling drained now with so-and-so or with this group or with my family even you know like it's a lot especially coming from such a huge family there's always something there's always a birthday or a graduation or a party or this or that where I haven't seen them you know so being being self-aware i think is is probably super helpful do they encourage does your therapist encourage you to do that like check yourself first and then whatever you have capacity for then engage in that
1: so what at the beginning of our sessions together what she had me do was called a mindful practice check-in okay. and so what i would write do, that down
0: guys mindful practice check-in
1: okay So what you do is you find yourself in a place of solitude, whether it's your car, whether it's a closet, whether it's a bathroom, your shower, whatever it is, take a few minutes and just breathe in and breathe out and get your mind right for the situation that you're going to step into. And for me, I would do it, you know, before I get to work, I would get there, you know, 10 minutes early and really sit with yourself for a few minutes and say okay today is a brand new day i'm going to take it easy and i'm going to accomplish what i can yeah and and that the important thing is that you're setting expectations for yourself yeah because that's that's an important thing too if you have these high expectations and unattainable goals you're not going you're going to feel defeated every day yeah because you feel like oh I didn't complete anything that was on my to-do list I'm a failure no you got up you woke up you got dressed you went to your job you did what you had to do and that is a that is a win in of itself yeah and so you have to really the mindful practice check in allows you to pull yourself from the bigger picture and focus on the right now. And that is the one of the best tools that I've learned. Um, another one is when you wake up in the morning, you put your feet on the ground and you literally just like sit up right in your bed and do a few deep breaths and then get up and start your day. Don't open your phone. Go straight to brush your teeth. Use the yeah. bathroom get the outside noise away from your your mental so early. Yeah. And so you you put your feet on the ground because you're grounded. Yeah. Your day has now started. Yeah. Um another thing that I've been doing is um for those of that have iPhones, you have the focus mode.
0: Yeah. I
1: love that. I I love the focus mode and when I am at work, I don't have any notifications come through. And, you know, before, I had to play with the boundaries a little bit.
0: I don't respect the boundaries, just so you know. Not only with my sister, because I will open my phone to text her during the day. I know she has it on, and I honestly just don't care, because I still want to text her, and I'll still send it. And it's fine whenever she has time to look at it, then she can. But I always just laugh, because I'm like, man... I really don't care if she's trying to focus. I wanna to talk to her. The
1: only the only person that doesn't respect my boundaries <laughs> is my sister. <laughs> but but that's fine because that's the nature of our relationship. Yeah. We yeah. understand that. Yeah. Um, but the the focus mode has been so great and the bet ba- the good thing about boundaries is that they can be adjusted. Yeah.
0: That's
1: good. Th- that is so important to remember is that boundaries can be adjusted. You know, don't go so extreme that You know, when you set these boundaries with people and they're taken aback, you know, maybe start little by little and say, you know, I'm going to set this boundary in place. And if I feel like my boundary is not respected, okay, it's time to adjust. Yeah. And so when I put my focus mode on, I had, you know, my husband's notifications come through yours, mom's, our sister group chat, everybody else. And I say, you know what? I have to adjust my boundaries a little bit. Because now I'm getting the anxiousness of having to reply right in that second. Now I feel the obligation to be a part of the conversation and interact and do these things. Another thing that's very hard is when you're a person that has FOMO. Yeah, I struggle. I have major, major, major FOMO.
0: For those who are listening who don't know maybe what FOMO is, it's fear of missing out. Um, yes, I definitely struggle with that too.
1: Let, let me, let me put this into perspective for you guys. So Stephanie, Daniel, my parents, our parents, yeah. uh, they all have a group chat because they all live in the same state. I do not live in that state, no, but I'm in there. No, the- we
0: lived on the same street. We literally lived next door oh, to yeah. each other at that
1: point. They So they lived next door to each other, and they had this group chat going back and forth about, you know, like what are plans for dinner? Here's the restaurant where we're going to, that kind of thing. I don't live in this state. And I'm like, guys, I want to be in this group chat because I have FOMO. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Even though she's literally not going to any of this, she still wants to know like what we're doing and where we're at, which is fine because I get it. My sister lives here with my cousin and my other sisters and they do family day and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nobody cares about your family day because I'm not there to enjoy it. So we each have our things. But yeah, I think that the fear of missing out does sometimes mess with your boundaries because sometimes you're willing to say, you know what, I know I set this for myself, but I'm going to go ahead and cross it myself, you know? So I think that that is also something that you want to be aware of and self-aware if you're creating a boundary for your mental health and your mental space you have to be the first person to respect that boundary and that's hard you know especially when you have a close family or you have a lot of friends or the thing that i worry about too is like building these habits with people and them you know This becoming, oh, well, that's just how she is. That's just how Stephanie is. She always responds. She always shows up. She always, like, will make it happen. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself and to put on someone. And it takes time for you to adjust people's expectation of you as well. Because, you know, when we first moved away, and we moved from Florida to North Carolina. It was hard because when we would come back, I felt guilty like you carry this guilt of like oh my gosh like I'm the one that left now I gotta drive around Orlando and Kissimmee and St. Cloud and all these areas and I gotta go see everybody because I'm the one that left and I gotta be in people's house and I gotta go visit them and all this stuff and it's like man that puts a lot of pressure on you as the years went on I had to Like, start changing that behavior because, number one, it's draining. Number two, sometimes it's not feasible. And then what happens is the first five times I came back, I saw everybody. When I couldn't do it on the sixth time, maybe somebody felt some type of way. I'm not saying this is absolute, but maybe if I couldn't come see you, then now you feel some type of way. Because I always have. It's readjusting. The relationships readjusting the expectations that people have on you and that's hard that's hard to do sometimes um what are what do you feel like is a boundary that you have had to adjust or change
1: so it's it's funny because um i our dad always says some things about having a small circle And so in his circle, it's just his daughters and his wife. And, you know, I never understood that until now as an adult. I have a husband who is like the mayor and he's (laughs) friends with everybody. He literally is. (laughs) And I am just like, you have too many friends for me to like really deal with. And as an adult approaching new friendships, Mm -hmm. I I tell my the people that I become friends with, listen, here is my here is my outline for a friendship. I don't judge you. I'm an open book, but I will not text you every day. I will not call you every day. I'm yeah. not going to look for you all the time. If you want to get together, let me know. If I want to get together, I'll let you know. If you're available, cool. If I'm available, awesome. If I'm not and you're not, that's okay. I'll catch you on the flip side. Yeah. I have now set realistic expectations for my numerous friendships as an adult. Yeah. I have this one friend. Um, I've been friends with her since twenty seventeen. We used to work together at the state attorney's office and I told her, you know, when we first started being friends, she's a f- she's quite a few years older than me. She's thirty two and I'm twenty seven. Um, obviously it was it you know, we were younger back then, but she and I have one of the best friendships because we have a level of understanding yeah. that listen, when you have an event, I'll be there. Yeah. When I have an event, you you'll be there. And yeah. if you can't, then you can't, but that doesn't diminish the power of our friendship. Sure. And that's what's so important and that's one of the one of the number one lessons in boundaries that I've had to execute. And even, you know, friends that I had been close with for years, I you know had to tell them and say listen there are days where i just can't do it there are days where i just don't want to show up and guess what you know i my fomo may supersede all of that but at the end of the day if my mental tank is not filled i can't be the friend that you want me to be yeah. i can't be the wife that i need to be i can't be the daughter that i need to be or the sister yeah. i need to put myself first and that was one of the hardest boundaries I've ever had to change because I was always doing everything for everyone. And it, you know, goes back and ties in with the people pleasing. But I feel like if you set your expectations, realistic ones, you know, I, I, I tell my clients this, I don't want to over promise and under deliver. Yeah. And I really take that into life. You know, if I am not 100%, I can't give my 100%. And I don't want to give you 85%. Yeah. I don't want to give you 90%. I want to be there 100%, mentally there and engaged. Because why am I not going to be engaged and I'm letting life pass me by? Yeah. If I'm not, you know, fully in tune with my situation or my surroundings, that's how you miss out on memories. That's how you miss out on moments. And... It's funny because your husband says something that rings so true. And when he's engaged, he says, these are the moments that I live for. Yeah. And that may sound so small, but it's really something that stuck with me because these are the moments that I live for. And I'm having, you know, close, co- close conversations and, you know, life changing conversations and things like that. But yeah. if I'm not mentally there, then I'm doing you and I'm doing myself a disservice. Yeah
0: for sure. I think I think you said something.
1: <clears throat> Let me
0: see if I can find my big girl voice. I think you said something really vital uh, when you call yourself a people pleaser. And we had this conversation a little bit in the car earlier today um, when we were talking about like labels and, you know, right now everything that's popular is the Enneagram or what is your personality trade and what is your most toxic trade and what is this and we do all of these like personality tests I mean you do them to get hired for jobs you do them for fun you do them for all these things and it's crazy because what those create are um identifiers for yourself and I have even found myself being like oh it's because I'm a six you know it's because I am you know worst case scenario Or, oh, oh, that's just how I am because that's my personality trait. That's what the test says, you know. And, yes, part of that is helpful to know how to deal with people. But also, like, that is not who you are only. That is not what you always have to be. I don't always want to be worst case scenario. It's, like, annoying, you know. So I want to get to a point where maybe my thought process shifts. Maybe I don't do things out of fear. Maybe I don't, you know, there's like so many different things that you don't have to put those labels on yourself. And I feel like those tests are great to a certain extent or fun to know, you know, oh my gosh, you're just like me. Um, Yeah, I see those personality traits in you. But also, like, be careful with how you identify yourself. And those things, they get into your mind. And then you say, oh, well, this is just how I am. This is who I am. But, like, you can grow from certain things. You can grow from experiences. And you can grow out of these, like, sometimes toxic behaviors, you know? Um, do Do you and your therapist ever talk through, like, labels and things like
1: that? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, And it's funny that you mentioned that because in in our first initial session, she wants to know about the key players in your life. And I had told her, you know, my husband is the dreamer and I am the realist. But she had brought me out of that thought and she said, well, what about your dreams? Don't you dream? And I said, you know, of course I have dreams. Of course there are things that I want to accomplish, but... You know, I'm very realistic. I'm very, I need a plan. Do I have the credentials? Do I have the qualifications? I think 10 steps ahead and I don't focus on, okay, well, if I don't have the credentials now, what do I need to get there? Mm-hmm. And so I miss I miss the, the meat of the sandwich. Yeah. And I want to go straight to the other piece of bread. But I can't do that. What, what about my sandwich? Yeah. You know, if I if i'm too busy focusing on the bread what what about what about my other condiments what about other things that play play a part and so with the labels i like to use them as a guide yeah but not as something that's definitive
0: like absolute truth
1: yeah exactly and so like the enneagram for example like we are both sixes yeah. we are the, the same type But we are two different people, you know, we have a lot in common, but we are still very different. Like you have a lot more of a lax behavior. And I am very like rigid sometimes. And I can be very like, this is the way that I need to do things. I don't want to. I don't want to go out of that scope this yeah. is how i know how to do it and you're like well maybe there are some other avenues that we can we can try i'm like no no, no but this is proven to be more successful yeah. or whatever you know and so you we balance each other out in that sort of sense but being a six you know you crave security and you may be more fearless than i am you know and there are certain things that you're willing to take the plunge on like moving to a different state and things like that. Like I, you know, I am a very comfort person. And so change is very scary. And so that's why, you know, my therapist and I have worked really hard to surpass any label that I've put on myself. You know, I'm an overthinker. I'm, I'm anxiety ridden or I have, you know, control issues. Those are things that don't define me. those yeah. are things that can be changed and that goes back to the scope of control. Nobody else can change those things for me except myself. Yeah. And so the, the thing about mental health is that you have to retrain your mind yeah. to really make those changes.
0: Yeah I think you know I think you said it perfectly when you said retraining your mind for the labels that you've put on yourself, and also, too, that goes along with, like, family and family relationships. And, you know, maybe maybe you grew up in a household where, you know, people talk down to you. Or maybe you, you know, had labels on, your, on yourself, generational labels. Like, those are things that, like, oh, well, you know, your dad was a plumber and your grandfather was a plumber. So you need to definitely be a plumber. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's things that not only that we put on ourselves, but things that people have spoken over us, things that people um, have placed on you throughout life. And that doesn't define you. That doesn't, you know, just because X, Y, and Z and your family did it or struggled this way or felt this way doesn't necessarily mean that that's the avenue that you're going to take or the path that you're going to take. So I think, you know, just being so aware of what people speak on you, what people say to you, and receiving that or not like there's no reason if somebody comes to you and's like oh my god lauren you're like so anxious all the time like no i don't receive that for myself i'm not anxious i'm aware or whatever and and flipping that to yourself because the po- most powerful voice that we hear the most is ourself like yeah you can talk to your husband and yeah you can talk to your friends and your family but throughout the day The only person that's talking to you nonstop is yourself. So I think just being aware of labels that you've placed on yourself and maybe looking back and having a moment of self-reflection and saying, man, like I've always called myself lazy. I've always called myself anxious. I've always called myself dumb. Like those are things that you're going to have to now go back and be like, no, I'm not lazy. I'm tired right now maybe yes but I can be active I can be an achiever I can be you know something different And I think that that's really important to understand and speak to yourself those things um do you um, do any type of like affirmations like does your therapist talk about affirmations because I feel like that is super super powerful for sure um, what's your experience with that
1: um my my experience with affirmations is that they're good to and this is just my personal opinion mm-hmm. they're they're good to a certain extent but I I don't want to call them affirmations I like to call them changing the narrative okay because with with affirmation affirm sounds very direct yeah. it sounds very finite it sounds like this is the end i'm always going to be this but i have to show grace for myself and if one day i wake up and i say you know i'm gonna affirm today that i'm not sad but i am sad yeah and i can be sad and that's okay yeah. my feelings are valid but what's important is that if you are feeling this one thing, you don't stay there. Yeah, you change the narrative. And so that's why I like affirmations for, you know, certain powerful things. Um, but in in daily practice, no, I don't use them just because I focus more on the validity of my feelings, yeah. than I do my affirmations. Um, you know, one thing that I wanted to t- touch on earlier that we had talked about was, you know, going back to the labels thing, being a pastor's kid and, yeah. and growing up and having your family in ministry, that was something that, you know, was very tough in the sense that, okay, well, you know, because you have a calling ev- everybody has a calling mm. for sure. But, you know, because your dad is a pastor, you need to be in the church. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, it it's it's kind of funny, but like it goes back to, I kind of reference it with like the movie Encanto. You know, everybody in the Madrigal family has a has a miracle, and they have a calling, and they do something. But you know, if you don't know what that is right now, that's okay. Yeah. And that, you know, growing up, you were very involved in ministry. Christina was very involved in ministry. Obviously, mom and dad, and I just. Was just there. And I was like, you know, I don't really know what my calling is yet. I don't really know what my relationship is with God yet. But I, you know, felt like, oh my God, my family's in ministry. Like I'm on display. I need to make sure I am picture perfect. Nothing's wrong. I'm always at youth group. I'm the pastor's daughter. I have to be there. And like, even now, that label of being a PK, being a pastor's kid, like I have, you know, both. Positive connotations and negative connotations with yeah. it because it very much shaped the way that I view myself. And, you know, there were, you know, members of the church that would say things about our family, and I would be like, I don't know if I believe them or not because some days it, it feels true. Yeah. And some days it doesn't, you know? And going back to just changing the narrative yes, my dad was a pastor. Yes, I was a pastor's kid. Yes, I have my own relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yes, I am making my own way. And that's like, you know, especially when we come from such a big family, you see that your other siblings are doing all of these things and you you try to follow suit and you try to be on that level. But really, it's okay to have a different path than everybody else. Yeah. Um, and that was... Something that was very hard for me, um, because we have such a big age gap. I always felt this rush, to have to grow up, yeah. this rush to have to be married with kids and have a house and do all of these things. When realistically, I'm so much younger than you guys. For sure. And I wanted my life to be complete and married with babies by the time I was twenty three, just like everybody else. No, that's not. Don't do. <laughs> <Just> that <kidding. laughs> that's not very realistic yeah and you know I've been that's another thing that I my therapist and I have been working on is patience yeah and having patience for myself and having patience for other people you know and in every situation going back to control like I can't control it I have to have patience and so that's that's the the kind of way that my brain functions when it comes to these certain things like I have to constantly change the narrative and keep myself in check for sure yeah um but I think that you know going back to your question no I don't use affirmations I do like to have a quote or some sort of graphic a mantra yeah to to live by And mine is, it's it's okay to not be okay. It's very easy. It's very simple. And I just tell myself, it's okay to not be okay. As long as you don't stay there, that's it. That's all that matters. As long as you get out of your slump, whatever it is you have to do to really pull yourself out of that dark space, do it. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, just walking. (sighs) an inch or walking a mile or running a 5k whatever you need to do get yourself out of that situation yeah
0: do you feel like um do you feel like there's a stigma around uh mental health and therapy we are hispanic we're puerto rican um we have a little bit of italian too but do you feel like there is a stigma in the hispanic community um, specifically, with mental health and therapy and things like that, did did, did you feel that at all?
1: Um, I would say, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's a stigma around mental health in general, and it's just hard to navigate that. But when you throw in ethnicity and culture on top of that, you know, Hispanic women are bred to focus on the house, focus on the kids, focus on their husband, and that's it. You know nowhere in there does it say anything about you yeah. nowhere is there any individuality and i think that mental health is personal and so that's why you know the stigma of getting help you know latinos don't need help we can do everything on our own we're self-made we're here no every everybody needs help yeah you know whether whether you need it right now or whether you need it in the future it's okay to ask for help but especially in the in the latino community everybody wants to say that they they did it on their own they had no one else and and it makes it very hard to to navigate that space um you know and especially like for for my husband like being a Latino man, you have to be very machismo. Yeah. You are you are the head of the house, you know, our You can't
0: show any cracks.
1: Exactly. You can't show any cracks. You can't show, you know, certain emotions. Weakness. You, can't, you can't be too emotional. You can't be weak. You have to be a pillar for your family, for your community, for everybody that's looking at you. And so it it's tough to to, to navigate that. But yes, I do think that there is a stigma uh, around mental health and it's important to do your research and it's important to also open your mind i think that that's the big thing about especially older you know latino grandparents and things of that nature they have a very one-track mind on on what it is to to be a functioning member of society and things change times are different
0: yeah yeah What would you say? We're going to start wrapping up because I think my voice is literally about to give out. Um, What would you say to end um, to someone who maybe is like afraid to start this journey or afraid to ask for help? um, What would you tell
1: them? I would say do it because your future self will thank you your future spouse will thank you and your future children will thank you. Um one of the one of the big reasons why I wanted to go to therapy was because, you know, I do intend on on being a mom and I have, you know, certain things that I felt growing up that I don't want to project onto my kids. Yeah. And and same for my husband. And so, you know, I just wanted to show up to be a better person not only for me but for the other key people in my life. And so I would say, you know, you would do you would be doing yourself a disservice if you did not ask for help, if you did not seek help and you know, it it doesn't have to be difficult. It's you really should talk to someone who's non-biased and who is a third party because you don't run the risk of ruining relationships with people that would be biased and people that would tell you oh you're right that person's wrong yeah you know that kind of thing but i will say that you know asking for help and and being in therapy is one of the best things that i've ever done and i will i will continue to to go and even even when i have children you know, I probably will continue to still see a therapist. You know, I do have, um, I am worried about things like postpartum depression and, yeah. and things like that. And I, you know, did explain that to my OBGYN, actually. And she said, you already took the first step. Yeah. You're seeing somebody. Yeah. You have started the process. You've started the the conversation. And that, that's really all it is. You're starting the conversation. You're you're taking that first step. And if you don't know where to start, research, you know, therapists in your area, whether they, they take insurance or whether they don't. And, you know, everybody's financial situation is different. Um, yeah. But for me, um, I have a an, an allowance budget. And my therapy is included in my allowance because it's something that is important to me. Yeah. It's also something that gives me routine. Yeah. It's something that I look forward to every. You know, every other week that I have a session, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this in therapy. And, you know, I I really as I navigate and go through life, I find myself I have a note on my phone that I have things that I want to talk about. And so my therapist will also send me notes at the end of our session and I keep those to go back and say okay this is what I was feeling you know during this time let me revisit my you know my mindful practice let me do my breaths let me find a place of solitude and it's all about using all the tools in your toolbox consistently. Yeah. That is how you know that that is how things change if you have, you know, your tools and you use them to constantly fix things, um, nothing will stay the same and everybody evolves constantly.
0: Yeah. I love that. Thank you for, thank you for being vulnerable and talking about this topic.
1: I know it's like super
0: sensitive, um, for people and for yourself. And I appreciate you being on here to just kind of share what that looks like for you. And I hope that, you know, anyone who's listening to this will, be able to find the strength to take that step if they need help um it's okay it doesn't you know i think the first thing is like being aware and being honest enough with yourself and saying like you know what regardless of what people say regardless of what people think i should be feeling i feel this way and i need help you know so i definitely am so grateful for you to taking the time to share your experience and Um, If you're listening to this and you need resources or anything like that, don't hesitate to reach out to me um, through Instagram or email. If you have my number, you can text me, email me, it doesn't matter. Um, My Instagram is at as told by moms and I'll link it here, obviously. Um, But yeah, I just want to thank you for that conversation. I think it's helpful. I feel like um, this is going to be a blessing for people to go back and be able to really self reflect on where they are what they're going through and yeah so don't forget to thank you i appreciate you
1: of course thanks for having me and and if if anybody wants to you know to chat or they don't know where to start or they they need some help navigating um stephanie can put you in touch with me and i can let you know the avenues that i took and whether you want to you know go through no insurance or with insurance you know that's something obviously that's personal for you but um, I will say that just be careful you know when you do research and what you read online the internet can be oversaturated with things that really don't speak to you and so if you if you do need help um, just you know reach out I'm always here and it's okay to not be okay yeah
0: for sure all right guys thanks for tuning in thank you for pushing through and listening to this podcast even though my voice sounds crazy um i'm super grateful to be able to do this and you can find us on apple music google podcast amazon music not apple music apple podcast google podcast spotify and amazon music so thanks for listening guys take care